Hello, this is Pastor Kenny, and welcome to the Living Hope Wesleyan podcast. If you would like more information about what we are all about, make sure to visit hopeforvermont.org. Enjoy! Jesus, so often quietness makes us nervous or afraid. Often you hear parents talking about their two-year-old, their toddler, when it's quiet, then they're getting in trouble. But God, we thank you that we can arrest and abide in your peace, in being still, in knowing that you are speaking to us with your confident, strong voice. So Jesus, you know our hearts, you know our situation, you know the requests we have, the burdens we bear, you know our community, those that go against us, speak against you, and we just pray that we'd be confident and strong, that we would mature and grow up, in who you have already said we are. Jesus, we thank you for your peace and your hope and your help. We thank you for your salvation. We thank you, God, because you are with us. We give you praise and ask that we would be filled with gratitude for how you bless us and that we would make your love known to others, your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness your joy. We choose to delight in you this Sunday. May it be our lifestyle, and it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Uh, As we continue, um, I just wanted to say thank you for your obedience and uh, tithes and offerings. For those that are wondering if I have a new ring, bling, bling, uh, for those watching on uh, Facebook, my personal account, Jeffrey M. Fuller, or on Instagram at Living Hope Wesley. And uh, I broke the other remote and I found this on Amazon for like $15 and it looks like a big fat ring, but it's just a little remote control. So, yes, your ties and offerings. I have to admit, I submitted that reimbursement. Um, maybe I'll use it for my own broadcast and then reimburse the church's reimbursement. But uh, as I mentioned before, we just thank you so much for your tithes and offerings and givings. You can give um, a living hope. Uh, Wesleyan Church, our website at Hope for Vermont. You can also mail in checks as so many have done. And we just um, thank you so much as it helps us be the church to communicate his love to others in real and practical ways. And as we look for a meeting place, uh, it allows us to put funds into um, a designated account called the Vision Fund. We don't call it a building fund because we don't know necessarily the vision God has for us, but for that place, space, facility, uh, out-of-the-box way of thinking that we can join and meet together as COVID is seemingly winding down, as spring is coming, as we desire to be together physically, we are raising funds and uh, just looking for opportunities that God might have us uh, be a part of. And so if you just want to designate in, on your giving uh, vision fund, you can certainly do that as well. But we just thank you most of all uh, for giving and being a part of Living Hope Wesleyan Church. And if you're new to this whole church thing, if you just came across this uh, website or somebody sent you this uh, link from YouTube, Living Hope Wesleyan Church, or you're listening to the podcast, Living Hope Wesleyan, don't feel any obligation to give. If you sense God telling you to give, then be obedient. But we do not want to be a church that you think, oh, we are only on or in your life so that we can gain something. As a church, as those who believe in Jesus, we believe that we have more to give 
the goodness of God. As we continue uh, looking at Scripture, the Bible, we look at the New Testament book of Hebrews, and we're continuing in chapter 5. I want to go back to uh, verses 8 and 9 that concluded us last week. Son, though he was, this is Jesus, the author of Hebrews, talking about Jesus being the Son of God. Son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Jesus learned obedience from what he suffered, what he endured, what he embraced. Jesus on the cross said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Jesus in the garden, he prayed with vehement cries, God, I do not want to do this, but not my will. Yours be done. He learned obedience from what he suffered and once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey. This is for us. We can say, not that we are the eternal salvation, but because we have endured suffering, we have embraced pain, we have come to know that God is true, that Jesus is strong, that we are alive for a purpose, and that purpose to live God, to love God, and to share his hope with others. As we move forward, we just look at these concepts that Jesus learned obedience. He was our example. We too can learn obedience in that suffering. We can be made perfect. Now, understanding that purpose, the perfection is that purpose of mind that we know that God is doing something, that we surrender to his will. Jesus said in John 19, 30 on the cross, it is finished. Not I give up in a negative way, but it's complete. Everything that my dad asked me to do, I have fulfilled. I have obeyed. God has done in and through me. And Jesus is saying, as he said, it has been completed. We too can say, God, I am resigned to whatever you want. I am going to obey you. The source of eternal salvation for all who obey. We must obey God, obey Jesus. And it's not an added burden. It's not a yoke, as you understand in Bible times for farmers with uh, oxen that did the heavy lifting. This is before uh, you got that Massey Ferguson and John Deere tractor. This is understanding that God puts a yoke on us, but one of freedom where we are carried, that He does the heavy lifting and He is the source of salvation. Hebrews 5.11, this is where it gets a little bit discouraging, but oh, the Bible is so good because it is relatable, it is relevant, it is where we are. The author says, we have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. We have much to say. There's so much more in this environment, in this culture, in this atmosphere, that a lot of people say that we're post-Christian, like the post-game interview takes place after the game. Now there's this thought that it's pre-Christian, that this takes place before people are exposed to the truth and relevance of Christianity, of who Jesus is, that as we try to describe people, as I would say, hey, this is a basketball, and you go to a country that's never seen a basketball or knows the sport of basketball, but they have this idea of soccer or football that they see around balls like, oh, you're supposed to kick it. Oh, you don't use your hands unless you're the goaltender. 
It's like, no, this is a, a ball, yes, but this is a basketball created for a different purpose than what you grew up with. And if all you wanted to do was go back to what you always knew using the soccer analogy, you would using a piece of leather filled with air designed for a different purpose just for one that you were comfortable with. As Christians, we can know the forgiveness, the love, the grace, the truth of God, and find great refuge and comfort and strength and hope and joy in that. But God's saying that there is so much more that we can grow up, that we can live in, that we can share with others, that when people go against us, we can know that over time, because God loves them and His grace is real, that we can show abundant life that Jesus has if we would just be teachable. In other versions where it says here, because you no longer try to understand, it says you are dull, D-U-L-L, you are dull. If you've ever heard the expression, you're as sharp as a bowling ball, that's not meant as a compliment. It's not meant to say, hey, this is great, but you are dull. We go on to see that, uh, as I have heard as a basketball coach, coachable students are employable adults. Are you willing to learn? Do you want to grow up? Are you willing to take the advice of someone else that's been there, someone else that's been educated or has that experience to teach you? Coachable students are employable adults. As we look this concept of being vulnerable is so true and so needed. We can be real. We can uh, metaphorically vomit everything that's taken place in our emotions, in our feelings to someone that can help us, but not only to get it off our chest, but to go to a counselor, go to a coach, go to one that can help us, that can hold us accountable so that we can grow from those points of pain, from that discouragement, to know that there is a reason that we're going through it, knowing that there is a point in time that we are going to learn from that situation. Vulnerability is good, but it must have accountability so that we can grow in the truth, that we can become what we were created for. We are created for a specific purpose, and that's found in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. God is with us. Jesus is with us. We don't have to fear. We are not alone. We know that there is a supernatural force that is more than that. It's a savior. It's the Lord. It's the one that has designed us to go and make disciples, to teach them to obey everything that Jesus commanded through Scripture. That's why it's critical that we get into God's Word, that we study the Bible, that we're surrounded by others, that we can grow together, that this process will produce progress and we can understand that Jesus has a plan for our lives. We don't just stay in the elementary teachings of Scripture. That expectation, that responsibility that God calls us into it's so that we can grow up in Him. 
It's not a have to based on works. If you do this, then you will get. It's more I get to. We are an ambassador of Jesus. This is found in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 5, 20 through 21. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Become the righteousness of God. Become those that live rightly. Yes, there's nothing you can do to make God love you more or God love you less. And there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. But we can live in a way that God is proud of us. And God is saying that we can grow from those elementary teachings. We find in Hebrews 5.12, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. I touched on this last week, but God's saying for some of us, you should be teaching, you should be leading perhaps a small group, perhaps taking people out for breakfast or lunch, perhaps being a part of the prayer team, perhaps being a volunteer because God's designed you with your background, with your temptation, with your past sins, to be a model, an example of God's forgiveness of his hope that you should be teaching, you should be helping. Leadership is influence. We could be influencing people by the God that we love and serve, the temptations, the failures we acknowledge from our past. You ought to be teachers, but you still are surrounded by the elementary truths. In the research of this, in some of the study, I found it very, very interesting that what it means, the elementary truths, is the alphabet. You are still talking about the ABCs, and you stop at ABC. When Jesus wants us to do the entire alphabet, if Bethany was here on camera, she can recite the alphabet backwards. I go Z, X, Y, then I get all confused. God wants to take us much deeper than the elementary truths, the very basics of God loves you no matter what. Jesus wants to take us that God loves us no matter what. Why? For a purpose that we can share with others that he loves everyone, that he forgives everyone. And now we have a responsibility and expectation to share that truth with others so that they can grow up and obey everything that Jesus taught, everything that Jesus did, so we can show that as Christians, we could do even greater things than Jesus did, as Scripture tells us. Discipleship means that we lead others through loving service, that we would lead others through loving service, that as all things that grow are not healthy, healthy things do grow. They grow up, grow up in Jesus, grow deep in Jesus, grow out with Jesus, sharing his love and truth with others growing as a Christian, maturing as a believer is greater than the goal of reciting memory verses, greater than the goal of I tithed every paycheck for the last X amount of months. The goal is not just getting a check mark. The goal is to grow as a disciple 
of Jesus. I was reminded that right decisions compound over time. We need to continually make the right decision to live righteously and know that God's using that so that we can become more like him. Galatians 5.13 says, You, my dear brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. This is the greater teaching. This is moving on from the elementary teaching. Not that we could just say, hey, I'm free. God loves me. If I want to swear, I can swear in God's grace. His conviction is going to bring me back so I can do what I want. It's no, why would we do something that we would have to backtrack when God's saying, no, I want to go forward. So it's not just two steps forward, one step back, but we could say, no, I progress in this process, this journey. Yes, we will fail. We will falter. I do it each and every day. Even this morning, I doubt, I fear, but God's saying my grace is sufficient. My love for you, there is a peace that does not make sense to you. We can grow and live in God's righteousness. Let me read that verse again, verse 12, and go on to 13. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. And if you do, that's fine, but relearn. As a coach, you go over the fundamentals each and every practice. This is a basketball. This is how you catch. This is how you dribble. This is called a pivot. This is the fundamental things that you should have learned from the first day you ever played the game. But now there's X's and O's. There's strategy. There's fun. There's camaraderie. There's the aspect of a team and competition. And God is saying... Not the competition part. Too many Christians focus on that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that God wants to take us to solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with a teaching about righteousness. The teachings about righteousness, what that means is right living. Instead of just basking in the fact that you are forgiven, God's saying, now you can get up and walk righteously. You can do the right thing because God's transformed your mind, that he's given us a new heart, that we understand that God is looking at those we see with different eyes, with great compassion, and he wants to use our lifestyle, our right living, to share the joy and hope that we have in them. Not to say you voted differently than me, or you go to a place that I don't go, or I think I'm better than you. We don't say that out loud, hopefully, but based on our social media posts or sometimes in our words and actions, in our interactions with others, that's the message that's being sent. Now, yes, I'm being critical of some that profess to be a believer in Jesus, a follower of Christ. But I would say Scripture also tells us to teach everyone to obey what Jesus has said. There's being alive, that's new birth, and then there's living the abundant life. Let's share the new birth that is available, but let's live the abundant life that God has called us into. Hebrews 5.14, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Be constant, be trained, distinguish good from evil so we can test and approve what God's will is, that we can show the love of Jesus to others. How do you do that? 
Well, by being disciplined in your own life, right decisions over time compound, being consistent, being constant in doing the things that God calls us into. And we find it's not restrictive, but it's the abundant life. It's a joy that we have, that it's not our own strength. It's not based on how much you pray for someone. Is God going to answer our prayers? But it's the fact that we pray to God that answers those prayers, that we know who our hope is in, that it's not in us, but it's in Jesus, the one that is the author and perfecter of our faith, the one that died, that sacrificed himself, that we might have abundant life, constant, trained, distinguished, what Jesus is calling us into, what God has showed us through his son, what is available to us. Hebrews 6, 1 says, therefore, let us move beyond the alphabet about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that leads to death and the faith in God. <clears throat> Leave the elementary teachings. Go on to maturity. This go on means to bear uh, to bring, to carry, to lead. As I mentioned, John Maxwell, he's a former pastor, big leadership guy. He says leadership is influence. As we lead people, are we leading them with impact that we follow Jesus no matter what? Go on to maturity. Lead people to Jesus by how you live, by your lifestyle, by your hope. Does that mean we fake it until we make it? No, because that's not maturity, but that's all along the way we express. We are human. We doubt. We fear, but we choose to surrender, not to what comes so naturally to us, to what, using that uh, soccer sports metaphor, that though we were presented a basketball, we grew up with soccer, so we revert back to that natural inclination of what you learned about soccer, but we allow ourselves to grow up in this new revelation of this new sport, of this new life, this new freedom that God gives us so that we can be set free, but so he can use us to live rightly so others might know his freedom as well. Hebrews 6, 1 through 3. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. We will do so. Yes, there's some things. And for me, being a Wesleyan pastor, choosing to be part of a denomination, there's accountability there that I enjoy and I frankly, I need. And there's some things that we need to know the basic constructs of this faith, this religion of Jesus, of Christianity. But we move on so we can learn how not to have a checklist, but how we can live life that shows and shares his truth with others. Maturing Christians grow in Jesus. We grow up, we grow deep, and we grow out, leading others to Jesus. This is what God is calling us into. This is what Jesus is saying avail is available. This is our hope as believers, knowing that God loves us and he is truly for us. So I do encourage you each and every day this week, not just to read the Proverbs of the day, Today's 
the 14th. So we read Proverbs 14, or I encourage you to read the chapter. Tomorrow's the 15th, so read Proverbs 15, Tuesdays the 16th, and read Proverbs 16, and so on. 31 chapters in Proverbs, 31 days in this month of March. So I encourage you to do that, but also look at Scripture. Read Hebrews. Read chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5, chapter 6. You can get ahead of me. Read chapter 7 and start to know what God is telling us is available as we mature in Him. We can grow up in Him. We can understand that we are no longer infants or toddlers, that we are no longer adolescents, but we are young adults. We are growing and maturing in Him through experience. Finding His love is available to us and for us to share grace and mercy with others that they might know His forgiveness, His freedom, His healing, His joy, His peace, His compassion, that we would live in and grow in the fruit of his spirit. So I'm just going to close in prayer. And then if you would like to join via Zoom, we'd love to have you to do so. If you'd like to become a part of the prayer team, just contact Stacy Granfield. You can email her and just let her know that you would like to bear one another's burdens and lift one another up in prayer. And we just thank you for being a part of this place we call church. But even more, we invite you to be a part of the body of Christ, the family of God, that you would say, Jesus, I need your forgiveness. I believe in my heart that you are Savior, and I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. If you choose to do that today, please let us know so that we can grow together in sharing his goodness with one another. Jesus, we thank you. We're filled with gratitude that you do not leave us alone. And as we look with trepidation and fear and uncertainty, the next steps, we thank you that you have known about that day before we were even born. You have the best for us, even though we might balk and shirk and not desire to go that direction, that we might yield what we want to do, believing that you will get us through. Whatever that means, that we will follow you, Jesus, because you have a plan for our lives. We dare say we love you. We thank you for loving us. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Enjoy this second winter. I believe mud season's coming, and then it'll be spring, and then summer. So second winter. It is what it is, Vermonters. You know it's here. We love you. We'll talk to you soon. If you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure to subscribe to the Living Hope Wesleyan podcast. Uh, you can also see the live versions of these sermons on the Living Hope Wesleyan Church YouTube channel, as well as any more information that you would be interested in at hopeforvermont.org. Thank you so much for listening.